Welcome to the Family Films Network podcast, Episode 3 and interview Robert A. Baum great-grandson to L. Frank Baum. Aaron Pass and Teen interviews Mr. Baum from 2005. Enjoy. We are in this together. We are Family Films Productions and we are entertaining your family. Over the past 100 years, audiences have delighted in the works of L. Frank Baum, author of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz in 1900. His writings on the Land of Oz have inspired many people to write their own books on the Oz series, and numerous production companies have made films based upon the Oz books, among other things. They have become so popular that likely any young child or adult growing up has surely read or seen one of the Oz books or any of the movies. L. Frank's mom's history and a legacy is still living on and is still immensely popular even today with the MGM 1939 musical The Wizard of Oz. In the early 1950s, the International Wizard of Oz Club was started, and it is still running today. Their magazine that they put out is titled The Bomb Bugle, and today I'm very pleased to welcome Roger Baum, who is a great-grandson of L. Frank Baum and an Oz historian as well. Here he is for an interview today for videosforfamily.com. Hi, Robert. Howdy. How are you doing today? Uh, very good. Good. All right. It's an honor and a privilege to do this with you. Thank you for spending time. Great. All right. First off, if you can give me an example of one of the stories that has probably been passed down from generation from your great grandfather. Uh, you mean like a family story? Yeah, sure. Something like um, that. There have been quite a few of them. Okay. I think the ones that I enjoy the most are probably um, supposedly where Oz came from with the filing cabinet, A to N and O to Z. Yes. But I think most. Sure, it's it's probably something that even when you were a little boy, you used to maybe dream about sometimes. Um, in a way, yeah. Yes. And as I learned more and more, and kind of began to put the pieces together, I saw what a uh, genius he really was. Yes, that's very true. Now, um, many people knew that while Frank had grown up, he had a number of different careers, and then he eventually, um, obviously, went into writing. In his early years, after he was married, did he kind of? at that time think about going into writing full-time at all? I, the, the stories that come down through the family are that he did not. That he was always looking for something, whether it was a family business, um, you know, going into one of the various stores or uh, bombs castering, mm-hmm. and that writing probably came very easy for him, but it was difficult you know, to find a place uh, to basically sell your writing. But I think he always enjoyed doing it, it came easily, and it was just kind of natural for him to uh, fall into it with uh, newspaper, uh, etc., and then eventually uh, going into his first books. Yes, I see. That's that's very interesting. Do you have kind of some kind of interesting fact, maybe that your family has always known about um, L. Frank Baum, that you know some of the public eye really doesn't know too much about? Can you think of something? heard before that when he was writing The Wizard of Oz, I guess some of, I guess not completely situations, some of the characters and stuff, obviously he had gotten from, I guess, people in, um, that were friends or family. Can you kind of explain a little bit about that? Well, I have a feeling that because he wrote 
very quickly. Mm-hmm. So there may have been things that kind of uh, piqued his curiosity or thought, hey, that would make a great character. Mm-hmm. And he would use them, but to say that one is specifically a given person or something, basically I don't really believe in. They mm-hmm. just sort of influenced him. Those stories grew and it came out. Yes. I think it's one of the things that makes the story so interesting. You can always find what you think is something like that. Yes. Where there's always something for anyone, regardless whether it was 1900 or the year 2000. Yes. That they can identify with. Yeah, that's very true. Now, um, when you had first seen the movie The Wizard of Oz, um, what were your kind of thoughts on it? And if you kind of did, you kind of maybe see any kind of advertisement before you actually saw the movie? When I first saw the movie, I was uh, about seven or eight years old, and I was just very impressed that this was a family member. It had never, I'd seen the books, and I'd been to my grandmother's house, and I'd heard the stories, mm-hmm. but it really didn't have any reality to it. That was just something you heard about. Mm-hmm. When you saw it on the screen, and you saw the story come to life, yes. then you began to realize what he had really written. Yes. And... Uh, I guess that was really kind of a, a turning point in my uh, understanding of uh, the abilities that L. Frank had. That's neat. Now, do you think that, I guess, obviously, um, a child's perspective and an adult's perspective is, is very different, but obviously everyone can usually remember something like this since, you know, it's in your family. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, I guess when you were watching the movie and you heard the songs and everything, were you kind of thinking in your mind, this is unbelievable that my great-grandfather wrote a book and now this movie is, is on. Did you, what were your thoughts on that? I don't think I really felt that way at first. Mm-hmm. I was just awed that this was a member of the family, mm-hmm. and it um, very quickly began to dawn on me that uh, the amount of work and so forth that had gone into it, and yes. then when you looked at the collection and you knew that there were 14 and so forth, uh, the, the whole scope of it and its effect on the American people began to uh, grow on me. Being yes. a small child, it was, you know, it came in bits and pieces. Yes. But uh, by the time I was a teenager, uh, I was able to really begin to see just just how effective uh, the wizard is and how much a part of everyday life it is. Yes, it's very interesting. So when you got to be a teenager. And obviously, probably by now, by that time, a lot of other collectibles and things were coming out. Um, what were your thoughts on that, and did you kind of want to collect as much as you could? I never, as a teenager, it was not so much I really wanted to collect it. Mm-hmm. I knew that uh, the books that my grandmother had would probably come to me, mm-hmm. and I didn't really worry too much about it. Mm-hmm. But once I got into college, I began to realize the collectability, and once I was aware of the International Wizard of Oz Club, mm-hmm. then I kind of started collecting. It was on a very, very small scale and, yes. and very inexpensive in those days mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to today. Yes. But um, I think ever since then, I have uh, it's been kind of an on-again, off-again. I was lucky in getting quite a number of the really kind of scarce ones. Yes, But wow. since then, I've realized that... Uh, it's a good idea to pick up what you can when you can, mm-hmm. and you can trade up and uh, work your way up. Yes. Now, um, in the movie, obviously, it's known as the Ruby Slippers, and everyone mm-hmm. knows it is that. Um, when you kind of realize that, um, did you like that MGM had made that decision, or did you wish that were still the Silver Shoes, as they were called? When I uh, really began to think about it and to learn a little bit about film, I realized that this was a choice for uh, Technicolor more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really hurt the story at all. Um, actually, if they had been silver in the film, I don't think you would have seen them and it wouldn't have drawn the attention. Yeah. Well, I think they used um, modern technology and you know updated a little bit for mm-hmm. their needs. And I, I thought it really worked out very well. Good. That's great. Now, um, I guess whether you were a child or obviously a teenager or in college, could you... Um, did people, I guess your friends or people you knew at school, did they, you know, want to just come up to you and kind of discuss the movie with you and your thoughts on it or the books? Or did they just naturally know um, that you were the great-grandson of L. Frank Baum and they kind of just took it for granted? Or uh, They basically just took it for granted. 
I don't think there was quite the push that there is today or the interest that there is today on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. It's really very interesting that uh, this time of uh, my life, people are really beginning to dig into it, and they want to know more and more. Mm-hmm. They've gone back into history and literally found all kinds of interesting things. And you, then you just have to kind of straight out fact, uh, straighten out the fact and fantasy part of it. Yes. But uh, as I was growing up in, uh, in my early years as a teacher, it just wasn't that big a deal. It was like, oh, yeah, really? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. How about that? And then they'd go on. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's neat. In a way, because I have it to answer the questions, but I think for some people, they're pretty fascinated to know, um, I guess, to hear the stories you have to tell or the information that you have to give. I know, I know I'm know, i pretty fascinated on it. So. Yes. Now, um, how do you think, you know, the books and the movie have impacted influenced people, at least today? Uh, it's, it's very interesting, because I believe the movie has influenced a group of people uh, that uh, have seen it and perhaps have only read the one book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of like a, it's a respite, it's a ray of hope, it's something that they know about, and yet they can watch it five, six, ten, twenty times, and get something out of it, and it's, it's, it's new and yet very familiar mm-hmm. to them. Yes, I see. That's, that's and interesting. as far as the books go, yes. what I really enjoy is seeing the uh, grandparents reading to the grandchildren and so forth, and uh, just you know, kind of being passed down through the family. Yes. When I go out to various conventions and so forth, I get a lot of people, a lot of the elderly people, who really enjoyed uh, having it read to them, and they pass that same kind of thing on to their children and yes. so forth. And some of them even have the old books, which are now in kind of sad shape, but uh-huh. they still treasure them. Yes. And I think that's terrific. Yes, and it's it's wonderful, too, that you can carry on the legacy and write some of your own Oz books as well and get well, those published. Hopefully so. I've done the introduction to uh, a new set that's out and several others that the Good. International Wizard of Oz Club has done. Yes. But I do have several ideas, and uh, recently uh, the bug has kind of bitten me, so I'm going to sit down and start writing. Yes. That's right. You know, if if they want it, it's kind of important sometimes to do it if you think you need to. Right. <laughs> yes. Now, um, I'll uh, I'll have to say I'll have to shift a little bit from the movie and back um, for the, a couple of the final questions. But um, over the rainbow, um, I know it means a lot to many people. And for me, um, when I was really little, um, my parents had bought me. Actually, I was still when I was. I guess a toddler or something had bought me a little wind-up toy with the Over oh, the Rainbow song playing from that. And I used to listen to that, and when I got older, I obviously came to understand where it came from. And uh, when you heard the song, um, you know, I guess maybe on the movie or, you know, wherever for the first time with someone singing it, you know, what, what were your thoughts on that? I was really kind of um, taken aback at first, mm-hmm. and then you listen to the words. And the song is... Um, very uh, heartfelt and it kind of captures your imagination. Yes. And you go with it, and I think it really fit in the film. And of course, nowadays when I hear it, uh, your whole system just sort of <laughs> tunes in. Yes. As uh, you know, you put your own meaning into it. You're right. I think um, I would say it's probably one of the greatest songs that's ever been written. Mm-hmm. Right. It just captures uh, so many people's uh, imaginations and hearts. Yes. And how does it capture your imagination? Um, basically, that you can um, dream and you can make those dreams come true, yes. I think. Uh, a little hard work. Yes. And much Like faith. L. Frank did. I don't think he yes. really realized uh, what was going on. Probably towards the end of his life, he began to realize that uh, he had a real effect on the children. Yes. But I don't think he did it first, and he's just like Dorothy and all of the others. Uh, he was seeking something and didn't realize it was right there in front of him uh, at home, basically, yes. uh, the whole time. That's very true. I, I really agree with you. Now, um, do you think that there would ever be a possibility for another musical on the screen of The Wizard of Oz? You know, there's been stage musicals and things, um, and do you think if they do eventually, do you think it would kind of succeed if they followed the MGM version? I think it would be very, very difficult. Um, There have been several films which I guess in a way have tried uh, what was Return to Oz and so forth, Mm -hmm. and they're judged 
very harshly, I think. Yes. Because most people, it's a standard by which things are judged. And so if you don't come close, and I think it would be virtually impossible, it would, you know, it, it's just not going to really happen. Mm-hmm. I think if you tried to go outside and do a different Oz story and so forth, again, it would be difficult because everybody's going to expect Dorothy to look just like uh, Judy Garland. Yes. And today I'm very pleased to welcome Roger Baum, who is a great-grandson of L. Frank Baum and an Oz historian as well. Here he is for an interview. Hi, Robert. Howdy. How are you doing today? Uh, very good. Good. All right. It's an honor and a privilege to do this with you. Thank you for spending time. Oh, I'm very honored myself. Great. All right. First off, if you can give me an example of one of the stories that has probably been passed down from generation from your great-grandfather. Uh, you mean like a family story? Yeah, sure, something like um, that. There have been quite a few of them. Okay. I think the ones that I enjoy the most are probably um, supposedly where Oz came from with the filing cabinet, A to N and O to Z. Yes. But I think most, uh, some of the others are just sitting and, and telling stories and being the uh, kind of the Pied Piper of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Yes. I'm sure it's it's probably something that even when you were a little boy you used to maybe dream about sometimes. Um, in a way, yeah. Yes. And as I learned more and more and kind of began to put the pieces together, I saw what a uh, genius he really was. Yes, that's very true. Now, um, many people knew that while Frank had grown up, he had a number of different careers, and then he eventually um, obviously went into writing. In his early years, after he was married, did he kind of at that time think about going into writing full-time at all? I, the, the stories that come down through the family are that he did not. That he was always looking for something, whether it was a family business, um, you know, going into one of the various stores or uh, bombs castering, mm-hmm. and that writing probably came very easy for him, but it was difficult you know, to find a place uh, to basically sell your writing. But I think he always enjoyed doing it, it came easily, and it was just kind of natural for him to uh, fall into it with the uh, newspaper, uh, etc., and then eventually uh, going into his first books. Yes, I see. That's that's very interesting. Do you have kind of some kind of interesting fact, maybe that your family has always known about um, L. Frank Baum, that you know some of the public eye really doesn't know too much about? Can you think of something? heard before that when he was writing The Wizard of Oz, I guess some of, I guess not completely situations, some of the characters and stuff, obviously he had gotten from, I guess, people in, um, that were friends or family. Can you kind of explain a little bit about that? Well, I have a feeling that because he wrote uh, basically from things around him, I think Mm -hmm. he did it very, very quickly, Mm -hmm. so there may have been things that kind of uh, piqued his curiosity or thought, hey, that would make a great character, mm-hmm. and he would use them, but to say that one is specifically a given person or something, basically, I don't really believe in. They mm-hmm. just sort of influenced him. Those stories grew, and it came out. Yes. I think it's one of the things that makes the story so interesting. You can always find what you think is something like that. Yes. Where there's always something for anyone, regardless whether it was 1900 or the year 2000. Yes. 
they can identify with. Yeah, that's very true. Now, um, when you had first seen the movie There Was Ravaz, um, what were your kind of thoughts on it? And if you kind of did, you kind of maybe see any kind of advertisement before you actually saw the movie? When I first saw the movie, I was uh, about seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. and I was just very impressed that this was a family member. It had never, I'd seen the books, and I'd been to my grandmother's house, and I'd heard the stories, mm-hmm. but it really didn't have any reality to it. That was just something you heard about. Mm-hmm. When you saw it on the screen, and you saw the story come to life, yes. then you began to realize what he had really written. Yes. And uh, I guess that was really kind of a, a turning point in my uh, understanding of uh, the abilities that L. Frank had. That's neat. Now, do you think that, I guess, obviously, um, a child's perspective and an adult's perspective is is very different, but obviously everyone can usually remember something like this since, you know, it's in your family. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you, I guess when you were watching the movie and you heard the songs and everything, were you kind of thinking in your mind, this is unbelievable that my great-grandfather wrote a book and now this movie is is on did you what were your thoughts on that i don't think i really felt that way at first mm-hmm. i was just awed that this was a member of the family mm-hmm. and it um, very quickly began to dawn on me that uh, the amount of work and so forth that had gone into it and yes. then when you looked at the collection and you knew that there were 14 and so forth uh the, the whole scope of it and its effect on the american people began to uh, grow on me. Being yes. a small child it was, you know, it came in bits and pieces. Yes. But uh, by the time I was a teenager, uh, I was able to really begin to see just, just how effective uh, the wizard is and how much a part of everyday life it is. Yes, it's very interesting. So when you got to be a teenager, and obviously probably by now by that time a lot of other collectibles and things were coming out, um, what were your thoughts on that, and did you kind of want to collect as much as you could? I never, as a teenager, it was not so much I really wanted to collect it. Mm-hmm. I knew that uh, the books that my grandmother had would probably come to me, mm-hmm. and I didn't really worry too much about it. Mm-hmm. But once I got into college, I began to realize the collectability, and once I was aware of the International Wizard of Oz Club, mm-hmm. Then I kind of started collecting. It was on a very, very small scale and, yes. and very inexpensive in those days mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to today. Yes. But um, I think ever since then, I have. Uh, it's been kind of an on again, off again. I was lucky in getting quite a number of the really kind of scarce ones. Yes. But wow. since then, I've realized that uh, it's a good idea to pick up what you can when you can, mm-hmm. and you can trade up and uh, work your way up. Yes. Now, um, in the movie, obviously, it's known as the Ruby Slippers, and everyone knows it, is that um, when you kind of realize that, um, did you like that MGM had made that decision, or did you wish that were still the Silver Shoes, as they were called? When I uh, really began to think about it and to learn a little bit about film, I realized that this was a choice for uh, Technicolor more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really hurt the story at all. Um, actually, if they had been silver in the film... I don't think you would have seen them, and it wouldn't have drawn the attention. Yeah. Well, I think they used um, modern technology and, you know, updated a little bit for mm-hmm. their needs. And I, I thought it really worked out very well. Good. That's great. Now, um, I guess, whether you were a child or obviously a teenager or in college, could you, um, did people, I guess, your friends or people you knew at school, did they, you know, want to just come up to you and kind of discuss the movie with you and your thoughts on it or the books or did they just naturally know um, that you were the great grandson of L. Frank Baum and they kind of just took it for granted or uh, they basically just took it for granted I don't think there was quite the push that there is today or the interest that there is today on so many different levels mm-hmm. it's really very interesting that uh, this time of uh, my life people are really beginning to dig into it and they want to know more and more. Mm-hmm. They've gone back into history and literally found all kinds of interesting things. And you, then you just have to kind of straight out fact, uh, straighten out the fact and fantasy part of it. Yes. But uh, as I was growing up in, uh, in my early years as a teacher, it just wasn't
wasn't that big a deal. It was like, oh yeah, oh, really? Yeah, that's that's interesting. How about that? And then they'd go on. Uh huh. Yeah, that's neat. In a way, because I have it to answer the questions, but I think for some people, they're pretty fascinated to know. Um, I guess to hear the stories you have to tell or the information that you have to give. I know. I know. I'm I'm pretty fascinated on it. So. Yes. Now, um, how do you think you know the books and the movie have influenced people at least today? Uh, it, it's very interesting because I believe the movie has influenced a group of people uh, that uh, have seen it and perhaps have only read the one book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of like a it's a respite. It's a ray of hope. It's something that they know about and yet they can watch it five, six, ten, twenty times and get something out of it and it's 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 new and yet very familiar mm-hmm. to them yes I see that's, that's and interesting as far as the books go yes what I really enjoy is seeing the uh, grandparents reading to the grandchildren and so forth and uh, just you know kind of being passed down through the family yes when I go out to various conventions and so forth I get a lot of people a lot of the elderly people who really enjoyed uh, having it read to them and they pass that same kind of thing on to their children and so forth and some of them even have the old books which are now in (laughs) kind of sad shape but Uh they still treasure them yes i think that's terrific yes and it's it's wonderful too that you can carry on the legacy and write some of your own oz books as well and get those published hopefully so i've done the introduction to uh, a new set that's out and several others that the international wizard of oz club has done yes but i do have several ideas and um Recently, uh, the bug has kind of bitten me, so I'm going to sit down and start writing. Yes, that's right. You know, if if they want it, it's kind of important sometimes to do it if you think you need to. Right. <laughs> yes. Now, um, I'll uh, I'll have to say I'll have to shift a little bit from the movie and back um, for a couple of the final questions. But um, over the rainbow, um, I know it means a lot to many people, and for me, um, when I was really little. Um, my parents had bought me, actually, I was still when I was, I guess a toddler or something, had bought me a little wind-up toy with the Over the Rainbow song playing from that. And I used to listen to that, and when I got older, I obviously came to understand where it came from. And uh, when you heard the song, um, you know, I guess maybe on the movie or, you know, wherever for the first time with someone singing it, you know, what, what were your thoughts on that? I was really kind of um, taken aback at first, mm-hmm. and then you listen to the words... And the song is um, very uh, heartfelt, and it kind of captures your imagination. Yes. And you go with it, and I think it really fits in the film. And, of course, nowadays when I hear it, uh, your whole system just sort of <laughs> tunes in. Yes. Has, uh, you know, you put your own meaning into it. You're right. And I think, um, I would say it's probably one of the greatest songs that's ever been written. Mm-hmm. Right. It just captures uh, so many people's uh, imaginations and hearts. Yes, and how does it capture your imagination? Um, basically, that you can um, dream and you can make those dreams come true. Yes. I think uh, a little hard work. Yes, and much like faith. Frank did. I don't think he yes. really realized uh, what was going on. Probably towards the end of his life, he began to realize that uh, he had a real effect on the children. Yes. But I don't think he did it first, and he's just like Dorothy and all of the others. Uh, he was seeking something and didn't realize it was right there in front of him uh, at home, basically, yes. uh, the whole time. That's very true. I, I really agree with you. Now, um, do you think that there would ever be a possibility for another musical on the screen of The Wizard of Oz? You know, there's been stage musicals and things, um, and do you think if they do eventually, do you think it would kind of succeed if they followed the MGM version? I think it would be very, very difficult. Um, There have been several films which I guess in a way have tried uh, what was Return to Oz and so forth, Mm -hmm. and they're judged very harshly, I think. Yes. Because most people, it's a standard by which things are judged, and so if you don't come close, and I think it would be virtually impossible, it would, you know, it's just not going to really happen. Mm -hmm. I think if you tried to go outside and do a different Oz story and so forth, again, it would be difficult because everybody's going to expect Dorothy to look just like uh, Judy Garland. Yes. Okay. Can we do that now? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It, the um, characters in the film have become based.
enough a field and make it uh, really fairly different. I'm not sure that the musical would necessarily do it. You think so? Okay. I think that's why a lot of people are, are looking at it and saying, you know what, leave it alone. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can't mess with perfection. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've always wondered myself why there hasn't been, and I know there's the spinoffs and the things, and I think a lot of those are good, too, because of the Which original. Very, very difficult. Yes. In 1970, the MGM auction had taken place, and obviously thousands of dollars went into the selling. One of the pair of ruby slippers, and I think maybe there were two, I believe there's just the one. Um, what were your thoughts on that situation, and do you kind of personally think that they would sell for as much as they did? No, I really didn't. Um, okay. When you start looking at all of those things uh, after they sit around and so forth and mm-hmm. handled and stuff, they usually get kind of ratty, but... Um, I think it just goes to show how much people really liked Oz mm-hmm. and valued it that many of those items uh, still survive today. Yes. Um, and I suppose you could say that um, they're valued. Uh, you know, part of it is just uh, owning something and the, the collector in everybody that's, that has the money to do it. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that they're valued that much shows that these are um, basically icons. Yeah. And hopefully they will all <laughs> be preserved, even if they do get passed between the various individuals. Yeah, I, I know uh, Kent Warner was responsible for so much of that and finding those. And um, I'm, I don't know if you had met him and if you can tell me kind of what were your thoughts on him finding those and the situation of how he dealt with that all. Well, I think, again, it goes to show that people will do the work necessary to find you know, what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of surprised at the number of shoes and so forth, but and you know how you would necessarily figure out which ones were used and not. But in yes. a way, I'm kind of glad that that kind of effort went into it because um, a lot of people like to see the shoes, and uh, you know it's, it's almost like a touchstone. Yeah, you go and see it, or if they're on display someplace. Uh, yes, everybody has a story, or they can remember when they saw the movie first, or whatever, or maybe they dressed up as Dorothy, uh, you know, and mom made them a little pair of red shoes or something, so it has a meaning for millions of people, I'm sure. Yes, it does. Now, um, I was going to mention um, one question regarding um, the Disney Return to Oz movie. Um, for that movie in general and the score, um, do you think that Disney made the right choice by bringing it back to the screen? I'm sorry, you're breaking up. I okay. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it myself, and I thought it was reasonably well done. Uh, it looked rushed towards the end, and the few things I heard about, you know, budget and so forth, uh, made me think maybe that was it. Yes. I'm not sure. A lot of people did not seem to like it. They thought the beginning was too dark with the electroshock therapy and so forth, mm-hmm. and perhaps it was. I think it's unfortunate that the people viewed it that way because I think it's kind of stopped people from going further mm-hmm. and trying to do something else because it was judged again harshly, although I think it did very well in Europe. And I know the children enjoyed it. I yes. used to do it in my classroom at school when I do The Wizard of Oz. Yes. And, of course, I could talk to them and explain to them what was going on, so it wasn't as, as scary necessarily. And I think the claymation and so forth was... Uh, absolutely fantastic. Yes, it was. I think it's an avenue to the the other books, and perhaps if they can get far enough away from the wizard and into the others and show the magic that was there and so forth, they might actually be able to do another another film. Yes. Uh, I, I thought it was amazing, um, too, and I, I especially loved the music. Um, I had said to somebody before that um, at least for the music in that movie, and especially the ending theme, I had probably never heard something so similar to something classical per se that was so beautiful before and I still think it's it's very beautiful music. It's so. interesting how whatever Oz project is being done, they always seem to have something that is very unique or the person uh, literally poured themselves into it far more than they might for other projects. You think so? I did a film called Dreamer of Oz and yes. people they basically they wouldn't even go home if they if there was something that needed to be done and they had to stay there, they were uh, very diligent in what they did, and they just wanted to make it the best piece they could. Yes. And I, I find 
or some of the sets, um, did they go over with you on how, you know, we want, they would want to say they would want to have it pretty exact to how your great-grandfather's house was and things of that nature? Not really, because there really aren't, there weren't enough pictures of any of his houses to really be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So what they'd do is they'd look at the time period and they would come as close as they could. Mm-hmm. And I think they did um, a very good job. And I don't think it was so such a critical uh, point in this film. Mm-hmm. The the actors and what was going on were far more important. So the background basically was just a background. I see. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, there are people who could pick out, well, there are certain things that did or didn't happen. And, you know, that's partly Hollywood. Uh, the time they shoot these things is, is very quick. Yes. And the time to set them up, you know, there isn't a whole lot of lead time here. Mm-hmm. But all in all, I think they did a fantastic job. Yes. And John Ritter was really, he was like seeing my great-grandfather come to life. You think so? Yeah, I was going to ask you how you thought his portrayal was, and I have, you know, I have read some things about L. Frank Baum in the past and stuff, and when I had seen that movie, I, I mean, I, I felt that it really seemed to portray him very well. So now, there, were, there were several scenes that he did that I, um, I could see he was, uh, I think having the same kind of difficulties in his life as my great-grandfather did. So. And he poured um, a tremendous amount of ability and, uh, and emotion into the film. Mm. And I had asked him one day, there was one scene where he's trying to figure out how to publish the books, and he's sitting there late at night, and he's breaking pencils against his chest. Yes. And I'm listening to these, and everybody is kind of, wait a minute, he's, re- he's really breaking them? Uh-huh. I mean, he's, it looks very painful. And I asked him at the end, I said, um, you know, that that was a very powerful scene. And he said, I know the pain that your grandfather went through, your great-grandfather went through. Yes. So I, I think he put a lot of himself into it, and I, I don't know whether there was a connection or not, but um, definitely uh, I appreciate that role yes. that he did. I'm sure. Well, what did you think of how Annette O'Toole did her scenes with things. I liked Annette O'Toole, um, especially her scenes at the Groman Chinese and so forth. Yes. That was much more the mod that I knew. Okay. Of course, I know mod was almost the same size as L. Frank, so, you know, there's that Hollywood aspect of it, too. Yes. I think she really captured the feeling and uh, the spirit. Neat. And I know there was one scene that uh, they did where they took Mother Goose, he'd just written Mother Goose yes. in prose, mm-hmm. and w- had brought it home. And after the scene, uh, they had the uh, original book that I brought over, and okay. they uh, 
said, John, uh, John said, can I take it over to Annette and read the inscription? I really like this. Uh-huh. We were sitting on a swing at the set, and the people for continuity came in and took a picture of them, and when they snapped it with their Polaroid, here's this big halo all around the film and the, these two. And I thought, boy, <laughs> how appropriate. Really? Wow. That's it, it, so, interesting. You know, I think the, the spirit was really there, and I think she did an absolutely fantastic job. Yes, uh the Lord had sent his angels probably to at that time for something pretty important in mm-hmm. his life. That's that's Yeah, I think so. Neat. That that I think that was a turning point too because yeah. it showed that he could be successful and uh-huh. like his writing. Yes. And regardless of what others had said, he would be successful. Yes, that's 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 very neat. Wow. Um now how do you think actually um now, um, for the Dreamer of Oz, at least for the opening, um, and the, I guess for the ending scenes, I guess within between, they had um, the opening of the movie for the night um, come about in black and white, and they had the reporter, that guy, a young reporter, come in and ask um, the uh, Mrs. Mama, she was older, um, questions and all that. Um, that whole, those scenes and stuff, was that kind of something that you had guys came up with your family to have something like that in there? No, actually, um, that had all been written in beforehand, and when I read the script over, it's, it's like, you know, somebody had really been picking our brain and so forth, and I thought it was, um, a really terrific way to begin it and to do the same thing that they did, um, the bulk of you know, uh, only have the odd scenes in color and the rest of it in the sepia tone. Yes. Um, and I thought it was it was an excellent piece. Mm-hmm. It was a great way to get into it and to talk about it and lead into, you know, the true dreamer of Oz. Yes. And uh, just the whole thing. Yes. I, I, I agree with you. I When I first saw it, I was trying to figure out what was going on because I could tell that it wasn't during the time of L. Frank Baum. Right. And then when I... I have just seen a few minutes more of the opening, I realized, and I said it's a very, very good way to put it. Well, I think in a way, the um, Wizard of Oz itself probably was playing through the minds of uh, the writers uh, when they looked at that. Yes. And if you, even if you don't know quite what's going on, it captures your interest, and you pick up bits and pieces of it. It's yes. like the beginning of the story, yes. and then you know the whole thing opens up, and you, you get the story, and it, it's very meaningful that way. Yes, it is. And later on, um, during the filming, did you and your family, as they were discussing things with you, were there, I guess, a couple of times where there may have been some scenes that you had realized they were doing and you said, hey, we need to stop it and do it this way because this is how my family or my great-grandfather had um, said this or performed this? Not really. Like I say, as I read through it, Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything that was really glaring mm-hmm. that was a problem. And I also realized quite often that I was not in a position to necessarily change a lot of the things. Yes. I did talk to John and I talked to Annette quite a bit, and they asked Good. questions about um, L. Frank and Maude. So yes. I think any of the changes might have been more in the characters as they portrayed them than, you know, a physical set or a, a scene of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um there were a few that may have, you know, I kind of looked at Bomb's Bazaar and I thought, wait a minute, this, this is, you know, kind of outlandish. Uh-huh. And then I would go home and I would start to, to look through things and look back in some of the books I have and a couple of the pictures and I realized not only were they not, they were very, very accurate. Yes. And I'm not sure whether this was just pure happenstance. Mm-hmm. I do know that a lot of it came from uh, Michael Patrick Hearn's book. Okay. Still isn't out, but hopefully will be. Okay. So I think from that standpoint, the accuracy was pre-put uh, into the the movie. Yes. But if, when, you, when you do that in Hollywood, things can change very You're right. rapidly. You're right. No, I, I really thought they did an excellent job. Good. Like I say, I think the only changes might have been, uh, as they began to understand the character and, and it unfolded, I think his life also kind of led uh, John and Annette and the others in, in, in the correct direction. Yes, very interesting. This has been the Family Films Network podcast, Episode 3, and thank you for listening to this interview with Robert Baum. We are Family Films Productions, entertaining your family.
as I had been watched the movie a few times, several times in the past few years, I kind of didn't realize that your name probably might have not um, been on the credits, so it probably was. Um, can you just kind of mention um, regarding regarding that? Yes, when I was first doing it, I it, it didn't really bother me whether my name was or wasn't on the credits. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, quite often there's a big battle on who's first and down the line. Yes. Uh, and uh, my daughters were in it, and I uh. I was the head of the bomb trust at the time. Okay. And what happened eventually, once they were all done, and they they realized uh, that. Uh, all of the things that I'd given them and so forth, and I guess they appreciate it very much. So there is a line in there, uh, the Bomb Trust and Robert A. Bomb. Mm -hmm. So I am there. Okay. And if you look at a, a printed copy, you know, it's yes. there. But I okay. was just honored to be able to do it and to work with John Ritter. Yes, sure. So, you know, credits aside. Yeah. I can look at it. I'm there. I'm in it. Yes, that's <laughs> you know, right. I was there. Yeah. Yeah, it should be you. You are the direct descendant line. Yeah. Someone that we all love very much. Now, um, at least for John Ritter being in that movie, um, I guess when you heard that he was going to be cast in there, what what were your thoughts on that? What did you think? I really hadn't heard a great deal. And mm -hmm. when I first heard it, I'm thinking, Three's Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had gone out to uh, the set. The first time I was on the set, they'd asked me to bring my books out, and they were one of the first days of shooting we were in Pasadena at a great big uh, Victorian house uh -huh. and we were to I was to set up the um, library because they were going to do the library scene they were going to do a, the death scene at the end and they I were going to do When He Meets Maud okay. well we got through When He Meets Maud and we didn't get either of the others done mm -hmm. but part way through the day they said you know John's in his dressing room uh, would you folks like to meet him I said sure we walked out to the trailer and then gentleman knocked on the door, John, the bombs are here, oh, send them right in, uh. opens the door, and here is standing my great-grandfather, and my wife and I are looking at each other, and we must look like idiots, <laughs> and I said, you know, I have to tell you, you look just like my great-grandfather, wow. and a couple Neat. of days later, I brought them a picture of uh, L. Frank at about 40 years of age or so, Yes. and they used it in a lot of the uh, promotions, because there was uh, a lot of uh, similarity there. Mm -hmm. So my, my first meeting with John, yeah, he's the man, <laughs> just like my great-grandfather. Wow, I'm glad to hear you say that, that's, that's so interesting, but but it's like, depending on who the person is, and obviously he can be used as an example for John Ritter, it's like, when they're dressed as a character, when they're trying to portray a character, especially for the movie, you can't help but think on, like for him, that this is my grandfather, my father, you know, so that's... I understand. That's very interesting. Uh, he was able to cross out of his other characters very easily in that one. Uh -huh. Sometimes that's difficult. You get typecast. Yes. And for this one, basically a man of many uh, masks, I guess. Yes, that's right. And, uh, I think because he really enjoyed and had an interest in Oz Yes. and was very knowledgeable about my great-grandfather, I think that probably really helped him, too. Yes. That's very interesting. Now, um... At least for, um, you know, movies in general and things, how do you think they have changed and influenced people probably in the last 50 years? Last 50 years? Yeah. It's very interesting. I believe The Wizard of Oz has probably influenced, well, every child I've ever taught. Yes. It's influenced mightily because it gives them some pre-information and knowledge about a story, mm -hmm. and then when I do whatever I do in the classroom with it, it's terrific. And I know that there are a lot of different people in the family. Uh, one of my cousins was a deaf counselor oh, and used The Wizard oh. of Oz, and it's instant recognition, and it's an instant bonding with these people, a, a common ground. Yes. And I think when you get a really good movie that everybody has um, feelings about or instills in them uh, some kind of a feeling or emotion uh -huh. it's it's interesting yes uh, and that's that's hard to do some of the films today I don't think really do that yes I don't, I don't uh, think so this one certainly does yes you're right it, it does it gives a sense of uh, security and being home where you belong and I, I when I was younger obviously I 
had known it, that. It's a safe place to go. You can yes. <laughs> when things are bad, I, I don't know how many people have said, yeah, when I'm not feeling happy or something, or I have a few, uh, you know, an hour or two to, that I want to just have some fun. Oftentimes I'll throw it in, or the kids and I will sit down with popcorn and watch it. That's great. So at least for your kids and your family, even watching that movie, you know, isn't, isn't a bore to you. It's a fun thing, correct? It's, it's fun. Great. When I do, I, every time there's there's something I didn't see before, or an, an action that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. In the look, you know, maybe a little bit past the actors. Yes. And, and so there's always something new in it. Yes, I I think so. Now, um, I thank you so much for your time. And um, for my last question, I will ask you. Um, do you think the era of you know good mu- movies and musicals like The Wizard of Oz um, can be back, you know, with generations that are approaching? Um, with my website, I really try to give some really good movies families can enjoy. You know, Wizard of Oz and several of the other ones I've made as well. And so, you know, do you think it would be you know the right move for some of the studios to want to do that? Yes, I do because be I think the the moral value of some of the films that are coming out mm-hmm. has become so questionable You're right. uh, that more and more people are saying, wait a minute, you know, some films like that on occasion may be fine for those that really want it, Yes. but we're beginning to lose sight of uh, what we and who we really are in the United States. You're right. And so I think the musicals and so forth are really good, and you look at some of the shows on TV that are more uplifting and, and have good music and so forth. You yeah. can't always write a hit song. That's right. But people enjoy music, and uh, as long as they're smiling and having fun, just like my grandfather thought, if you aren't laughing, you know, you're not living. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's right. When he wrote To Please Children, that was really what he was looking at, just yes. to give them some fun, some laughter, uh, and maybe tweak their imagination a little bit. Yes. That's, that's good, too. That's right. But I think song and dance... Um, Hopefully they are revived. Yes, I and think they so. they show the talent of the people, too. Yes, it does. It, it takes a lot of work and a lot of energy to do something uh-huh. that your great-grandfather had done, and, and as your family continues to carry on with things, I, I think it's it's very good. So um, thank you very much for oh, your time, you're very welcome. Robert Baum, and um, maybe I'll have you back on here for something else sometime. Super. Okay, great. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome.